The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Happy New Year! Welcome to the first episode of Dietary Requirements, the Spinoff Food Podcast of 2019. Technically it's the second uh, episode, but we'll get to that story in a second. Ko Simon De Toko Ingawa and I am your host. As always, I'm joined by the Spinoff Food Editor, Alice Neville, and Sophie Gilmore, the boss of Delicious Business. Kia ora! Kia ora! So today's episode is a summer special, a celebration of the great Kiwi barbecue. And two weeks ago, when this podcast was originally recorded, we did it the right way. We were set up at the spin-off Overlord Duncan Greaves' Sunny Deck. We had a live audience of the spin-off staff, and they'd been lured there in the promise of a barbecue cooked by our special guest, uh, legendary chef Al Brown. It was a brilliant day. We'd hoped Al would cook for us, but, but apparently he can't talk shit and cook at the same time. So instead he made me the pit boss. He sent me some recipes for ribs and cornbread and rather aggressively suggested he would critique my work. Seeing as I think the world of my skills in the kitchen, Alice and Sophie thought this would provide some welcome perspective. <laughs> Reality check. Yep. Unfortunately, the recording of our beautiful lunch was eaten by the technology and lost to the ether forever. The evidence that Al told me my food was delicious was gone. When producer Tina came to me to tell me the sad fact, I was so upset that I had to take the rest of the day off. An emotional uh, sick day. I was just so I was so proud that Al Brown liked my food. Stress leave. And actually for the first time ever Simon's not bending the truth. Al did like Simon's I can't even food. remember that though. Did I say that? Did I say that? <laughs> thankfully <laughs> Thankfully Al has agreed agreed to come back. And although we're not in quite the glamorous location as uh, Duncan's desk, he's in the studio with us, hopefully provide some technological safety. Welcome back, Al. Kia ora. Thanks for having Welcome. me back. Welcome Thank you. Back. We really appreciate you coming back. And for the record, how were the ribs and the cornbread? Look, it was a wonderful day, wasn't it? And, you know, I think sometimes when you're cooking, you have a lucky day. <laughs> and, and, Happy about that. But no, I, 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 I'm an honest guy. I can't tell a lie. You nailed it, mate. Thank you. I, I really appreciate amazing. that. I, w- 
would. Although, I'm, although yeah. you know, missing some salt in one one recipe, and and I think playing havoc with with the some cayenne. chili, mm, the cayenne yeah. pepper. I worked it with out another, but it actually worked out bloody well. So the the recipes for Al's uh, Carolina ribs and cornbread. Uh, and I did a Mediterranean pork rump steak as well. They're on the spinoff.co.nz, um, where I, I do make the note that I added six times the recommended amount of uh, cayenne pepper by mistake. I read teaspoon is tablespoon, um, and I also forgot to add uh, salt to my cornbread. So it was a good day, but not a perfect one. But you cooked slow and you cooked fast and you cooked well. It was hot. I thought it, it was, was really hot. delicious. It was delicious. Even if this podcast doesn't inspire other people, <laughs> it certainly inspired me. I went home and made um, cornbread that night. I've Ooh. since had Al's garlic chops. I have um, been discussing a ribs fest with um, some friends as well. So thanks anyway. Thanks, Al Brown. Because the, the, my big memory from that, and I put it into the story, is how your philosophy is that Secret recipes shouldn't exist. You know, food is for sharing, as are the techniques and yeah. the stories behind them. Quite yeah. an emotional read, if anyone would like to read Simon's story is about it, quite the lost podcast. Yeah. It's been emotional two weeks. Yeah. Is I got that to all it's been? Brown, I lost my podcast. You know, it's all been good. It's a death. It's gone. Absolute mm. emotional roller coaster. Very sad. But here we are, back on the up. And yeah. we wouldn't be here without our uh, wonderful sponsors. And the spin off food section is brought to you by Freedom Farms. Freedom Farms believes that everyone who eats meat has a responsibility to know how those animals have been farmed, and they're dedicated to providing you with the best pork, free-range chicken, and eggs. And they also love barbecues, and they donated the ribs and uh, rump steaks for the last recording. Today we've put the coals away, though. Um, it'll be a little bit dangerous getting the big green egg out inside the studio. But we do have the camping stove. <laughs> you don't, you're not meant to cook with that inside either, but uh, hopefully if no one hears from us uh, outside in the office in about an hour, they'll come and what's rescue our, us. What's our heat sort of alarm situation like? Oh, don't burn mm. it. We've cooked in here before. Cool. I think I made my best ever catch your pepe yeah, on, on That yeah. was using hot water, not um, Yeah, no, there was not, not a lot of oil happening. We'll find out. Mm. Okay. And if we do set the alarm off, it'll be funny. It'll be a lol. Yeah. Be a phone calls record number three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna attempt to relive um, la or the last recording and and talk about the great Kiwi in- cultural institution that is the barbecue, but as well as you know steaks and ribs and sausages, we're gonna discuss some of the alternative things that you can throw in the barbecue. And today, Al has got some power fritters. Alice has made some corn fritters. And because it's so hot, and I was a little bit afraid to cook again because I didn't want to have a blowout after the <laughs> f- first uh, piece of good luck, I'm going to make a cocktail. Yeah. I've got a mystery fritter too. Oh. I'm excited about the mystery fritter. Oh my gosh, can we do it like MasterChef where you close your eyes <gasps> yes. and you have to guess the ingredient? We can. I'd quite like you yeah. to do that with my ones okay. too because there's 20 ingredients in them. Oh my God. Okay. Have you got a fritter as well? So. Fritterish, yeah. It's a, it's a veggie croquette, Fritter-ish. but it's a, it's a recipe that I would suggest people could make on the barbecue as an entree. Mm. Croquette sounds quite French. Yeah. Well, okay. Fritter. It's, well, where did fritter, where did the word fritter, fritter come from? Fritter. I'm not sure, but... I don't know, should I look it up? <laughs> <laughs> we think? could make it French. Or fritter. 
Last time I forgot to provide a biography of Al for those who have never heard of him. I suspect that those people are few and far between at this point. In another country, maybe. I've reduced Our your... We have a, audience We have a large. lot of international listeners. Huge. We're huge in Belgium. <laughs> Big in Canada. Yeah. Well, we should be. I was a chef at the New Zealand Embassy in Belgium. Oh, great. And so you we have could Canadian. have. We could have. And yeah, the Montreal Canadian history. Yeah. So Al's yeah. just bringing in listeners from all over the world. I've forgotten her name. Brigitte. 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 Hopefully Brigitte is out there today. Yeah. Um, Sugar pie. Yep. So this, I tried to get you into two sentences your whole life. Oh, okay. Um, broke through with fine dining in Wellington uh, where you ran Logan Brown. She had your name in the restaurant even. And then an epiphany and moved to Auckland when at where... He taught us all to chill out about food and showed us the joy of relaxed dining that can still be really, really, really high quality. Is that close? No, I think that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. How do you. What's the epiphany the... that made you move to Auckland? I well, I, I, I love, like, you know, I sort of thought that, um, like so many New Zealanders, if you take something on, you think you have to be the best. And, and, and it was all about fine dining, I guess. And I thought, right. well, if, if I want to be the best, I have to do fine dining. But and we did that. And we did it re- really well, I think. And we won awards and bits and pieces. But I never really felt that satisfied. It sort of felt mm. like the coat didn't fit. Um, and yeah. so I stuck with it for a while. And then I wasn't going to do any more. And and I left the the business partnership and, and was going to sort of write books and do a bit of telly and things. And then got offered the opportunity to come to Auckland and I guess I thought well you know I could do another restaurant and and but I sort of not really what I want to do but then I sort of thought oh well if I was going to do one how would I do one and 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 what would it be like and and I kept thinking you know it sounds blasphemy but how do you commercialize the batch or the (laughs) crib yeah because that's where we sort of ultimately I think Kiwis find their Happy place, I guess. Yeah. The, the, the informality, the um, and uh, often anonymity. What's that? It's often where you eat the best as well. It's yeah, where you're getting fresh fish, scallops, and and, pe- and people and people are dropping off a smoked kahawai. Yeah, you know, mm. someone's got half a Christmas cake left that they bring mm-hmm. over, and all those sorts of. So informality is just absolutely celebrated, and. and it doesn't matter whether you're a high court judge or a freezing worker or a share or anything. All that sort of stuff goes out the window. Yeah. And, mm. um, and yeah, I think that's since then, and I think that that's what we should be hanging our hat on is, you know, we should own infor- informal dining. That's what I we can, do yeah. so well. I can barely imagine you in fine dining now. You know, so yeah. famous is your approach to the simple and the delicious and the, as you said, the kind of Kiwi way, but... Were you were you rocking foams and jellies and <laughs> tell us what was on the plate, Al? No, I didn't look, and I really never, did, you know. And that was pre-tweezer. Yeah. You know that was pre-flowers. Yeah. And, and schmears and foam. Um, not, not an astute. But but I just uh, just sort of that whole. Um, oh, it was still really enjoyable and it was creative, but it just felt like the jacket didn't fit, and I always felt uncomfortable a little bit around it. That's mm. all. Um, but we did a good job, and there's still you know Steve and and Sean are still doing you know Logan Brown's still open, still yeah. doing a great job in that in that area. But um, I was it was quite liberating coming up here and and having a actually having a go at, at doing something that I thought. Um, was what we wanted or what, what what might go well. 
I can't imagine you slapping the phones out of your patrons' hands at Logan Brown and say, hey, hey, you guys came out here to talk to each other and eat some nice food. Put those away. I do do a bit of that. that So I watched them do that at Depot one day. It was very, very funny. So is Depot your famous Sky City restaurant? Is it framed around the idea of the Kiwi Batch? I didn't realise. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Yeah, absolutely. I can see the barbecue. A bit, uh, you know, hence, it's a bit nautical it, and it's a bit... Well, hence the it. tin cups, hence the mismatched cutlery, hence the yeah. the, the raw bar, you know, because that was all about... We used to have two weeks a year at Castle Point Campground and everything was around low tide and we would dig for um, pippies and we would get power yeah. and kinner and... All those sorts of things, and and we used to cook obviously on on manuka and uh, hardwoods, so hence the oven, all that sort of thing. Yeah, mm. and and that sort of mismatchedness that okay. I think you know when you walk into a batch, you know there's the cutlery drawers always jammed and it's full of things that no one's ever used, or yeah. you know, and the there's one good pillow, and you know, the and there's one one decent chair, and yeah. you know, all those sorts of things. I like the sheets from that. the '70s, the pink ones that yeah. are really thin but still going. Yeah. The old eider downs, yeah, you know, yeah the top, yeah, top totally. of the wardrobe and things, yeah. Because when, when Depot opened, it was sort of people were like, oh, they don't take bookings and the wine comes in a tumbler and all these things that now are just kind of like, mm, yeah. But back then it was almost... Would well, you know, like, you it know, wasn't even that long ago, was it? People have tried to recreate it. I mean, there is so many attempts at casual that are pretty contrived <laughs> now. Yeah. I think that there's something really authentic about Depot and that's probably because it was... The first of its kind. But I think the big lesson is you sort of, you know, I, I was pretty intimidated coming up to Auckland and opening opening Depot. And I just sort of thought, oh, well, look, you know, we'll just keep our head down and, and do, do what we do. And, and uh, we treat everyone the same. And we had the sort of don't you know who I am people turn up. And, <laughs> and it was kind of like, no, no we don't. <laughs> do it'll we be, have it'll be 40 minutes. <laughs> but we have them everywhere. Of course yeah. we do. But, but, so, but that no, no reservations. I mean, it's like if I come to your place for dinner, we don't walk in the door and sit down <laughs> and eat, do we? No. Sit down and have a drink for at least an hour. Yeah. So, you, you know, I mean, and... and that's funny and, and like it's funny because quite uncultured, isn't it, to, you know, assume that you need a table instantly. Like, if you go out for dinner in New York, you happily wait two hours for a table. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, and the sort of, um, you know, the tumbler... Th- you know, I remember being served a wine in the tumbler by a guy called Matt Hanna, who, who, used, who started Armadillo in Wellington. Anyway, oh, yeah. and, and, and Joe's Garage in Queenstown, et cetera. And I remember holding it, and, I, and it immediately felt, you know, traditional tumblers, one of the great designs of all time. It feels, you know, it's just for your hand, feels amazing. Mm-hmm. And and look, that someone rang me about two weeks ago, someone that I admired and loved, said, you can't, I've heard you're serving wine in tumblers. You can't do it. You'll go bust in, 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 in a couple <laughs> of months. It'll be the death of you. It'll be the death of you. And I sort of, there was silence on the phone and then I sort of thought, oh, what can I say to this? And I suddenly realised that that evening at seven o'clock, I was at 30,000 feet drinking it out of a plastic cup and so was everyone else on the airline. Yeah. And yeah. so at least we were in a, you know, so it didn't feel, yeah, you know, and if you want it in a stem, by goodness, we won't blink an eyelid, you can have it in a stem, mm. you know. But it, it, it's funny, most people enjoy just that, you know, it, it keeps... Keeps taking the formality away. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're hopeless with formality. Kiwis are hopeless. We feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable. It, yeah, we do it badly. Yeah, yeah. And, but we do 
informal very well. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why we're so good at barbecuing. That's exactly Standing right. Standing around, talking shit as much as you're cooking. Nice work bringing that back. Yeah, Thank nice. you. I'm good at segue. Master. But it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slightly disappear for a second because it's very hot in here. And it's very hot in Auckland. So I'm going to make a little um, watermelon cocktail. This is air conditioning for your mouth. Ooh. It's, it's literally, air conditioning for your mouth. Yeah. It's literally going to be hand handmade. Wow. And I've just washed my hands so you can... Um, as usual, Simon plays okay, down his own God. work. This better be the best yeah. cold drink I've ever had in my life, I would, Simon. I would, I would muddle this, but it's just, you don't get the most out of your, um, your watermelon. You leave a lot of chunks. Okay. Oh, I see. He's gonna, so he's roughly throwing it. What's your secret on the melon, Simon? I mean, damn it. I meant to look them up. I'll give them a shout out uh, posthumously. There is this... Posthumously, Fair, are you posthumously, dying? they're not dying. Uh, <laughs> Retros, retrospectively, thank you for sub editing, editing me live, Alex. Well, and know, two of us just looked at the wall. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't have, I have any idea what was happening. There, there, the, there are these farmers that come to the Parnell Farmers Market, uh, where I sell flowers every Saturday morning with my wife. Um, they grow pumpkins in the autumn. Uh, and up to Christmas, they have watermelons in the summer, and they are unlike any watermelon I've ever tasted. They, mm-hmm. You have to wear a wetsuit almost when you're cutting these apart. They're so juicy and so sweet. Uh, they're from North Waikato, South okay. Auckland. I That's a good hookup. Yeah, they are, mm. And they're really, really lovely people. You get a, a watermelon the size of a one-year-old. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Like, what, what's he going to say to match that hand Jeez. movement? That is quite a particular size. For, for $10. And this is actually Terry Gould. I pointed him to the watermelons, my, my boy Terry, and he pointed me to this recipe, which is uh, his, but I've renamed it Air Conditioning for Your Mouth. No, I like that. Catchy. I actually um, recently discovered the difference between a really tasty watermelon and one that is not tasty. Oh, I, it's I had huge. previously thought... They were all the same. That's no. a bit like an avocado. That's a mm. bit of a lottery, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm not sure. I, I mean... What's... what's, yeah. what's When you're in the supermarché, what's your... You know, there's no way of knowing. Do you yeah. tap? They're incognito. Do you, it's weight. First of all, it's weight, and then it's the, the, the tap, I think. You know, right, nice yeah. and hollow. And, and a very firm... Very firm. As firm Outer. as you can get it. So heavy, yeah. firm, and sounding hollow. Oh, yeah, that's I good. I was wondering if the listeners can hear that squelching. Simon's yeah, got Simon. his hand inside the jug of um, <laughs> it's a glass jug, which makes for interesting viewing. Um, but he's um, it's an interesting pulping. Sound. He's hand pulping the watermelon. I've uh, injured myself multiple times recently whilst cooking. Well, well, not even cooking. Like, cutter. Yeah, so, so I'm a bit worried that he's going to smash that glass jug and it's going to... It's the perfect size. Um you know, perfect pulping. I once actually, on that note, tasted, I remember when we were students and we couldn't afford um, organic vegetables and we have a friend who's from the Hawke's Bay and his family farm um, organic vegetables and have for years and years. So Ben Bostock arrived at a weekend away in um, Topor and he bought with him an organic pumpkin and I think I was organising the cooking for the weekend, so I'd done this big sort of like camp-sized supermarket shop, and wherever I'd done that, there weren't organic pumpkins, yeah. or we couldn't afford them or whatever. Um, and we roasted them right side by side, and I 
was just mortified at the enormous difference. One of them actually tasted like pumpkin, yeah. and the other one looked like something that resembled pumpkin. But had I been blindfolded, probably could have been anything. Really, it was wow. so yeah. fascinating. And then, and then, you know, that was the first time I ever learned about how you plant female and male plants next to each other so that they can. What's it called when they chat? <laughs> Shag, pumpkin That's the sex. Official terminology. Wind each other up. Yeah. yeah, but I thought it was so fascinating how they pollinate and grow. Oh, I can't say I know all the details of that, but I'll be googling. Well, perhaps you can talk to us about the beer. Alice. Oh yes, so the, thing the beer that you are passionate and yeah. knowledgeable about. So this was, you know, a while ago, and I drink a lot of beer. But I'm going to think back to the beer that we drank during the original podcast that was lost, which was. I recall that. You I recall that. Yeah. It was uh, the Trader's Scotch Ale from McLeod's, and McLeod's is from Waipu in Northland. And I was kind of like, oh, this Scotch Ale for a barbecue, interesting. Because, you you know, the, your go-to for a barbecue is like a Pilsner or a Pale Ale or something sort of thirst, thirst quenching and light. But this is kind of a smoky, almost um, malty, caramelly, quite amber-coloured beer, quite full-bodied, bod- full and it's got horopito in. Um, Simon's filling out glasses with ice. Yes, he is. would like to know what that noise is. And he's just put a reasonably serious amount of vodka in the oh, cocktail, good. which has made me quite happy. Yeah. So, yeah, a little bit of horopito in there, which gives it a bit of warmth. And it was actually really nice, and I think... I, it would have gone really well with the meat, the ribs, and the pork steak. And the cornbread. And the cornbread. It did go very well with the cornbread. So there was a that. slaw floating around too. Oh, wasn't that's it? right. The slaw was good. That was good. I really Especially liked the floor. And the peppers stuffed. Oh, with yeah. The, the stuffed uh, peppers I made. You did those. With, yes, white with the white cannellini bean? Yep. Yeah. Fiona Smith recipe from Cuisine. Also delicious. I actually, um, both Elle and I weren't that sure about the beer before we tried it right and yeah. and said it was really delicious and you would yeah. it was quite a big bottle and you would have one yeah it's not what they call you wouldn't smash it, it sessionable yes yes not sessionable but not, not bloody sessionable, delicious but yeah really nice um yeah a scotch ale i i did some research oh thank cause you because last, last time i didn't i don't know it's from scotland last time know. i was asking alice to teach us about scotch ale and she said that thing again that she always says which is basically brewers can just call their beer whatever they like yeah pretty much but no scotch ales come from edinburgh um originally the 1800s and they're also called wee heavies which is nice is a wee what they heavy well, like another name for a Scotch ale is a wee well, it heavy. It sounds like a lot more fun, doesn't it? A wee heavy. A wee heavy. Oh, it's a wee heavy. I'm not, don't, not really good at the Scotch. The Scotch. Kind of sounded like Mrs. Doubtfire just yeah. then. Well, That's quite she's Scottish. Yeah, she's Scottish. Oh, sweet. Okay. So can I just ask, is that um, a Scotch ale, is it, what category of beer does it fall into? Uh, the Scotch ale category. So it's not a dark beer. Uh, it's... An it looks ale. dark to me. It's not a dark, dark beer. I mean, beer. you're speaking to some beer rookies. Alice. Yeah, well, I'm not the only one. I mean, it comes under the ambit. As of I Scotch may have beers. mentioned, it's not. There's no sort of set categories. It's not a. I wouldn't call it a dark beer. I'd call it a, um, an ale. It was nice with food. A little, quite kind of dark, but it's not a dark beer like Guinness or you know or the the, those kind of beers. More red. It's an ale. It? It's your classic kind of ale. Okay. And it's kind of reddish. Um, yeah, 
the other thing that was kind of interesting that we drank last week with the last week it was only yesterday that it we was were just all together. the other day um, we had red wine um, and it was from Spain and it was called Hecula and we um, I have to say that was bloody delicious yeah mm. again yeah. pretty apprehensive about having that on a hot afternoon it was on point yeah it had almost no s- sweetness to it so it was really savory and um, had a little bit of tannin and a bit of kick without being too hardcore for the middle of the day and yeah overall we really loved it um, I'm gonna the re- most important thing he's gonna say something about price yeah I am the most oh, important yeah. th- I'm a sucker for a deal. The most important thing to remember about the Hecula is you cannot get a better priced red wine in the country. $13 for a delicious that is very, Spanish very cheap. barbecue red wine. Mm. $18 right. elsewhere. It's the sort of wine that you put inside a brown paper bag and everyone goes, wow, this must be $90. Yeah, true. Yeah, yes. All it, those wine snobs out there wouldn't have a clue. The house, no. yeah, yeah, and it's the price of, yeah. of the house red. They, they're from Fine Wine Delivery Co. B- I actually BT went Dub. On, I went onto the Fine Wine Delivery Co. website specifically uh, to buy that wine after last week. Oh, so did you order better living cases? Everyone. Better living. I hope you clicked through from a spin-off article. Oh yes, to get your stats up. Yeah, I see. Um, uh, so should we reminisce on barbecuing? Yeah. Or should we talk about this drink that Simon's just? Simon, served? it's ready. It's beautiful. It's pink. Cheers. Gorgeous colour. Cheers. Lovely. We're just pausing for our Note the time for the photo. <laughs> yes. Okay, should we take a sip? How is it strong? You, what time of the day did you clean your hands? Not, <laughs> not too strong. Was that just pre? Nice kick. It is delicious. Not too I'm strong glad. at all. It's very summer. Mm, it's deli- it is air conditioning for your mouth. It's a good tagline. You should... um. Copyright that. You should Trademark work in, it. And a little branding. floater on the top there of, of cranberry juice, was it? Ooh. Yeah, just a little acid. Lengthen it, little little acid. Um, and to make the watermelon more watermelony. And also because it's hard to get a lot of liquid out of your watermelon. It's right. a lot of effort to make a lot of drinks. I mean, so there's, you can a, there's cheat, a good looking mush there. You can cheat yeah. a little um, with the cranberry juice. And you were absolutely going for it too. So, so what, what's it credit. called when you. Muddle. muddle. You muddle. You muddle your watermelon and your mint and your vodka. Uh, strain it into a glass over ice. Top it up with some cranberry juice. Uh, garnish with a little bit of mint, and within five minutes, your whole body temperature will be a half degree cooler. Yeah, and I'd keep so. it away from the kids because they're going to be attracted to that colour. Definitely, and they're going to be able to bowl yeah. drink. That's a good. That's a very good point. <laughs> you don't want the kids embarrassing their it's parents like, an like I did yeah. at the turn <laughs> of the millennium. Oh my god! An RTD for seven-year-olds. Yes. Yeah. No good. So on the barbecue, I reckon the most important thing I learned. Uh, from cooking Al's recipes and for that day was um, the extent to which you cook the ribs. I've previously had ribs which I hated were undercooked. They were tough to get off the bone. They got stuck in your teeth. They needed more time. I've had ribs that have been cooked probably for too long and they just flew off, off the yeah, they just flew off the bone and yes that's a great in some circumstances but you want to be able to hold on to them and so Al, Al suggests in this recipe that you can find on the spinoff.co.nz uh, to check them after an hour and a half 
for tenderness, for a light, juicy bounce, but not quite falling off the bone. So every 20 minutes from about an hour and a half onwards, and then you can take them out, let them absorb the flavour for a day or two, and then hit them with some real hot coals. I think that's a really good point too. I think too many people are hung up about how they have to get everything right immediately, you know, with one shot. Yeah. I mean, I still, you know, I cook for a living and and at times, you know, if, if you want to check your fillet of beef and slice a bit off the end and have a look and see what's how it's going, yeah, by no all means, that. no shame in that. <laughs> yeah. Go in there. So, I find it funny also, though, the people that tend to... Um, have less experience in the kitchen takes such an academic approach sometimes, you know, with the thermometers, like all the gear. Mm. Yeah. Like, you probably could just touch it. Lots of people are going the thermometer way now, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I was somewhere in the weekend and and a novice barbecue (laughs) chef was talking about his thermometer quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> a lot of thermometer <laughs> chat. Yeah, and you're like, why don't you that's his go, it? But that's his, his security blanket. Yeah. You know, that's his, if, that's, totally. if it's that amount of degrees now, it's ready. And good on him, more the power to him. But for speaking of cooking technology, we touched on this last week, but I want to go over it again. What do we think of induction cooking? Ah, uh, yes. We hate it. This is, this is important. We have to bring... This public service announcement. Absolutely. Can I say Absolutely loathe? hate it. Yeah. 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 Tell me why. We all had different reasons for ha- hating it. So, Al, you can go. Well, I think if um, there's no romance in it, I, I need to see flame and heat. I can't, you know, this and and that sort of whole electronic number game. You know, I didn't play Space Invaders or do any of that when I was a kid. So I find all that sort of technology quite. Um, disparaging and, and hard to understand and it's just I, I need to see a flame that's that's for me Good I on need, you. need to see a flame I've got induction in my new apartment I've been there four months I've had toast for four months <laughs> I've yet to, to and it. I swear that's true you can ask my girl <laughs> do you know what it will do is boil a pot of water faster than you can say anything but that's um, about its only benefit I, I see I see it as a flaw. Yeah, I, true. So I think I would finish third if I was given an opportunity to compete in New Zealand MasterChef, and I would lose. <laughs> I would lose the final because I'd burn the pine nuts, and with induction, I wouldn't burn them. I would light them on fire. I, I need a degree of uh, an opportunity to make mistakes yeah. and well, fix them. And with induction, I burn stuff so quickly. Does anyone a- know anyone who loves induction? Uh, my mother-in-law. Oh, well, my there you go. Mom, well, that's great. If I you think do I it enough, what you're used too. to. Yeah. yeah, but it's yeah, it's. Do you know what though? I think because you have such a rhythm when you cook, or a a a time, a cadence, or whatever, you put things on in the time that you think they'll be ready. So if yeah. I'm cooking with induction, and I put a pot of water on because I think, oh, the meat will be rested in 20 minutes, mm. and it boils one minute later. You end up with like just water everywhere and topping it up yeah. because it's all the timing's out. It fucks everything up. Absolutely. And um, also, I admitted last time, which I'm happy to admit again, um, that I find it really difficult to control the temperature of mm. induction. So difficult that I recently went to see a friend who had just had a baby and I was filling up her freezer with macaroni cheese and managed to split bechamel sauce. Mm. So, yeah. I'm not sure that I um, was aware that that was possible, but. 
yeah, once it's gone, it's gone. And I don't like how some induction goes to 11. <clears throat> does induction think it's, it's the silly. spinal tap of cooking? Or something? <laughs> yeah. 11, does yeah, it? It goes to, uh, I was cooking at Sam Gallagher and It's just trying to be way too clear. What does the yeah. pee mean? I feel like every time, you know, it gets hysterical every time there's a, a drop of water breaks. on it. But what's the pee? It's always flashing the I word don't think my mum's one has the pee. The letter P. I do wish my mum like would come around and pee. clean Patience. beneath my gas Patience, hob, though. Yeah. That, at my house, that shit gets pretty rank. That's that's an, that's what people say. Oh, it's easy to clean. It's, it's not like, easy well, to clean. It's easy to break every time you try to clean it. What the gas or the induction? No, the induction. Yeah, yeah. Do you not just wipe down the hob at the end of? Just wipe cooking? down the hob, Simon. <sighs> come on, Simon. Anyway, I'm getting mine changed out to gas, so. You and are. I'll have a bottle. Yeah, there's not gas in the building, but I'll just I'll have, have a, a small bottle. So I think it's official. Fuck induction. Yep. Oh yeah, fuck Definitely induction. Fuck induction. But thinking of fire and seeing the flame is really interesting because obviously it's a really big part of barbecue. I think it's really exciting to have watched New Zealand barbecue go from sausages over gas to. Well, we went from wood first. Yes. Mm. I think you know. I don't. I don't, I don't remember that. Really. I'm not old. Old enough. It's you actually Al's, Al's birthday tomorrow. He's turning 40. <laughs> Five, four. Wow. And also Mark, Keller, Mark Kelleher's Never birthday said. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So our colleague Mark Kelleher and, and Rebecca Bex, from Casador. Yeah, from former uh, Dietary Requirements guest star. You might remember her from such, such episodes, episodes as the one about the Casador. It's the sausages one. Have you not? No. And you're going tomorrow? There? No. I'm going tomorrow night. Oh, cool. that's exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. Cool. So Hopefully it's not all split into two. But our barbecues, before we got gas, we had wood. Well, I, when I say that, I just I we, we just grew up with a, heart, you know, a 40 or a 20-gallon drum that we used to load with, you know, had holes in the bottom to draw the air, and we would start with kindling, and we would have dried manuka, and then we would have a hot plate or we'd have a grill over that, and that's what I recall. And, and it was the, the, you know, those are some of the sort of nostalgic things that you remember the the smell of the you know the first smoke when you're getting that that mm. going and then waiting for it to get you know set a bed but then of course gas came along and everyone went oh shit we don't need to worry about all that smoke and carry on yeah. we can just turn it on and we can be cooking in five minutes my dad calls it so the Monica. convenience it's quite weird isn't it monica is that a Kanaka? thing that new zealanders say well Simon, i mean give us the alice alice well, is out today would be the, okay. it does have a macron on the a so it should be sort of manuka but not, yeah, not Manuka, but yeah, they're probably Manuka. right. They're, no, Manuka, you want the emphasis on the first syllable, so they're kind of right. Oh, wow. I mean, it, yeah. We digress. It's a beautiful word. But That's I think nice. throughout human history, we've lost beautiful things when we've pursued convenience. Yes. And smoke at the barbecue time was something that was missing for about a decade. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I think, I mean, it was, it was all about convenience and it was kind of, you know, it was modern and, and you know, there were all those little round ones, weren't they? The little round, you know, with the three legs, those round plated <laughs> yeah. barbecues, oh, yeah. they were the first ones. Yeah. And then they went all and got all silly on us and it was, you know, it was, it was sort of like barbecues out of Detroit, wasn't it? It was, you know, the bigger, the better and all that sort of yeah. thing. And, mm. I remember and now they're getting really nerdy, like really high tech. I but was, I think people are turning away. Look at Weber's just, you know, the traditional Weber, yeah. the charcoal. The kettle. Yeah, the yeah, kettle. Yeah, that's what yes. we have. Yeah. Mm. yeah but and, I think the high-tech ones were the gas ones that have about eight different hobs, you know, all these things in the lid. 
It's like the Bogan backyard. Spend like they they look like a small car. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I'm, a lot of them were all show and no go. The, 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 the burners were way too low to, to the cooking surface. So right. they looked amazing, but they didn't have... To be honest, the, the three-burner classic Kiwi flat top 199 warehouse barbecue was a pretty good little... Half, half, half a hot was a plate, good, you half know, a grill. You know, it was the Toyota Hilux of sort of burn your sausages of, of, of barbecue. So, yeah. you know, the, um, you could do good good job on that. And I still like cooking on those. Yeah, my in laws. If, are still if someone's got one, one and they go, oh, here, there, we've got this old barbecue at the back. It's one of those. I'm always happy to cook on that. Totally, because there's plenty of it's got plenty of guts. Yeah, yeah, they are good. And also, I guess the brunch tradition came about when people are at their beach houses and they're having late nights. That's when people used to start putting eggs and bacon on the barbecue and yeah. doing things that were different to just the. I think we talked about this last time, but the the thing that I can't quite get my head around is the kiwi mixed meat grill, yeah. where I feel like it would be better if you had the lamb chops one night and the sausages the next night, rather than on your plate simultaneously a sausage and a lamb chop and a chicken thigh and but it just seems to be the many meats as possible three meat Uh, and one veg yeah it's really common isn't it I do love it yeah well don't like we all have a nostalgic thing about it I want a sausage and I want a thigh and I want a chop yeah see for me no I like (laughs) I like it to be a bit more coherent I'd be quite happy to do it one night at a time see what I do is the minority I visit the serving table or often I like how it's left on the barbecue and served straight from now I'd visit that three different times so I'd start with my steak and then I'd go back and get a sausage steak with appropriate accoutrements when I get rid of the um, I get rid of the administration pretty quickly oh yeah uh, and then focus on the um, the protein right and, and just make three trips oh so, so you, you have like a degustation of meat rather right. than yeah. all on the plate exactly. right. oh, yeah. but, but, but what's you know, we have all been doing degustation of meat on the plate, but now vegetables. Yes. Big time. I am cooking all vegetables mm. on the grill now. Whether yeah. they're green beans, it's broccoli, it's cauliflower, it's kumara, it's pumpkin. Eggplant. Yeah. I've Egg been plant. cooking peas. So I'm much struggling with the barbecue. individual peas. <laughs> individual peas. They take barbecue. a lot of turning. Mm, yeah. Very small yeah. <laughs> tweezers. <laughs> but but everything. I mean, I just sort of think. You know, we. I remember growing. You know, we. I sort of thought it was pretty trendy to to, to do eggplant and peppers and zucchini and that sort mm. of thing. But actually, you can do it all. You can do everything. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that maybe people got put off because the original kind of vegetarian barbecue skewer, you know, the sort of situation. And I think a lot of people were put off by that. But you're right, there are so many things that are more delicious on the barbecue than they would be elsewhere. And is that not the lick of char? You know, it's the burn Mm. on them that gives... Yeah, that the first, character to um, that vegetable. Oslingi cookbook that came out would have been ten years ago now. I cooked my way from the very beginning to the end of it. Yes, and I remember being so confused by him saying, "Just get the eggplant and put it directly on the gas hob." Right. Yeah, and tasting it for the first time, thinking, "How am I ever going to cook an eggplant in any other way?" Yeah, because totally. that is where all the flavour comes out. Mm. Yeah, so in my youth, I was fully vegetarian, so I'd kind of avoid barbecues because it would inevitably that be... That iceberg got a little bit tiring. Well, it wasn't even that. It was just those those kind of raw but burnt veggie kebabs. kebab. Oh, and they'd no. have made them specially for me, so you'd have to be like, oh, God, I've <laughs> got to force down this like, raw... 
and piece that's of sort zucchini of that, that that's like dehydrated mushroom. Dehydrated mushroom. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know what I think is so funny about mushrooms? We were talking about this the other day. I didn't realise how much um, flavour, this is until I was at cooking school recently, that one can extract from a button mushroom Ooh. if you cook it correctly. And here I was thinking that portobello was where all the flavour was. The button mushrooms are so cheap and so delicious if you just give them the space that they need in the pan and cook them with a bit of butter and in handfuls, like one handful at a time. And it can make the most mushroomy of mushroom sauces. Umami. Mm. Umami. Umami. Shall we fire up the barbecue and quotation Who's up first? Yeah, who's up first? Al Brown, everybody. Oh, there okay. we go. <laughs> Hard act to follow. Yeah, that is going to be tough. So will you tell us what you're making? Or is that the mis- – no, there's, there's – No, well, I'm going to do – well, um, power, you know, because I, I think we mentioned this in the last um, podcast that, that never went to air, but um, was that I sort of think p- – people ask me all the time, you know, what, what's what's the, what's your – What's the New Zealand dish to you, Al? And mm. and to me, I've always thought a fritter was the New Zealand dish, and a power fritter was was that's what we grew up with. And um, and you know that's the so idea awesome. of, of as a kid, you know, we used to get the power in the rock holes, and and we'd be able to put it through the old mincer and turn the handle, and and so it was one of my first recollections of actually providing for the meal, awesome. and and a part of that, and um, and as I say, we would cook all the. We, you know, interesting enough, we used to we used to get thinking about. We had a hot plate that we used to cook the power fritters on, and the, and the and the other bits of seafood. Um, but we would also always, because I was from a farm, we would always do a hoggett or a lamb chop. Mm-hmm. And and what was we when we used to go on holiday, we used to take a whole animal, like a whole hoggett or a whole lamb, into the butcher, and the butcher would put it all into chops, and he would layer it in a chili bin. And then we would put the chili bin in the freezer at the butcher shop, and so it it turned into a solid block of chops. Yeah. Hmm. And so that would last for sort of six or seven days because uh, yeah. we'd open the top, we'd take the chops off the top, and the next ones below were frozen. Oh my gosh! And so I love it was that. a it was a great way to. I did to, that on the that. we did the Wanganui River crossing at New Year a mm. couple of years ago and um, I enthusiastically said I'm keen to come along but we're not cutting corners on the food there won't be any of that reconstituted carry on yeah bugger that and so I made a whole lot of meatballs for New Year's Eve and put them in four litre containers and froze them Mm. and then took a big catering pot with me and paddled down the Wanganui (laughs) River with the meatballs and by the time it came to New Year's Eve they were defrosting so it was perfect perfect timing yeah. Like Al's chops. Nice. Al's just um, now making the parlor fritters oh for my us. Gosh. If he burns them, exciting. we're all going to be evacuated. Yeah. <laughs> I also have strong memories of parlor fritters growing up, but I have to admit I didn't really eat them because A, I thought it was a bit gross, and B, I didn't eat meat or fish at all. I'm sorry. But my dad used to make them a lot, and he would dive and get them. And um, Are you going to try these? Yeah. No, I eat them now. It's just when I didn't eat any. I and think... I have since eaten his power fritters, and they're nice. It's, you, got, you know, you don't want the gristly texture. Well, I think food memories and food nostalgia um, contribute to the way that our food tastes, right? And totally. when Al was speaking about that before, I thought, I wish I had power when I was 
a kid, huh. but instantly to my mind came digging for tour tour. Yeah. At Waiheke, and whenever there would be a storm, we would race down to the beach, and everyone would have a bucket, and dig for the tour tour, come home, and they would either be turned into fritters or served with linguine, like oh, a yeah. vongole, which was really really delicious as well. Nice. Oh my god, these look great. Have you ever seen a power like crawling out of its shell? That's weird. When my dad would go diving and get power, and then like leave them on the deck, and this. Because you kind of forget they're actually alive and then they kind of crawl out of their shell like a slug. Yeah, how wide? Please help me. Like a snail. Like, like a whole slug. The whole slug. power comes, crawls out of its shell. All in one go. Yeah. Wicked. So we're sacrificing a little bit of soundproofing for uh, health and safety. So if you okay. hear any of the spin off sort of inaction in the background, uh, send them an email, tell them to shut up. Toby at the spinoff.co.nz. Comment, comment on Facebook. We need more trolls. Oh my gosh, these smell amazing. They do smell good. We have a segment on the show where we speak about the best thing we ate lately. And one of mine for the last one, so it's not a spoiler alert, hmm. um, was that I'd been to Amano just before Christmas and had a mussel fritter that was... Yes, you have spoken. The size of a side plate. So one big fritter came out and it had a massive stack of cucumber pickles on top of it um, sitting on top of some preserved lemon mayo. And it actually, I said to Al, reminded me of something that, you know, he would serve at Depot, but absolutely delicious. Yeah. And then when we spoke about the barbecue theme of the podcast, one of the revelations that I thought came out of it was um, when we were speaking about what one can serve at the Kiwi Barbecue. Well, what do you serve when you've got people coming over? And Al said he likes to start with um, a cocktail of some description, so to make everyone a cocktail. Like a watermelon magical thing. One of Simon's air conditioning for your mouth cocktails. (laughs) Um, And then to follow up, he said, with any fritter of... With a fritter of any kind. And I just thought, that is so genius. The only fritter I would have served, probably, when entertaining in the past, would be a whitebait fritter. But I really feel like... We had whitebait fritters at your wedding, didn't we? Uh-huh. Mm. Shot Tom Adams. <laughs> but I really think that, um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm up for expanding my fritter Oh, my God, repertoire. these look amazing. Oh my Thank goodness. you, Al. We're about to get stuck into Al's power fritters. This is a... Um, Monthly reminder to not chew too heavily in the microphone. Yep. And um, I'm pulling the face that I pull when I'm in restaurants. And my husband's always like, wow, you look so happy. <laughs> <laughs> like overexcited about the food that may be coming my way. Yum. Yum. Cheers, everyone. What have you put on top of there? A little um, writer type thing? A uh, little best mayo with some... Oh, yeah. Gherkin, mm. some dill, dill. Yeah, I'm capers. some capers, and red onion. Red onion. Wow. Yeah. That's real good. And oh, my God. So perfectly chewy. Wow. It's, not, mm. it's not like getting a bit of gristle in no, the No, it's not gristly. It. Yeah, so oh good. Oh, my gosh. I tell you, um, um, the thing with power is that it's very expensive if you don't gather it yourself. Yeah. However, for a long, long time... And I actually think it makes the fritter better, it, even though it's not in your fritter there. But I use, or I always cut my, my power with a bit of squid. Oh, oh. Okay. 
That like is a, a squid tube, you know, mm. just yeah, yeah, yeah. the old plastic looking. Yeah. What does that achieve? Mexico well, one, further. it's a similar texture, so it cuts the price if you were going to buy a power and you wanted to stretch it. Yeah. So you only got a couple of powers when you were doing it. Um, but I think it also, um, you talked about the right amount of chew. Mm. I like, I, th- I think the squid just sort of mellows that out and doesn't make it quite as intense. intense. That is rich. I think yeah. that was my objection to it when I wasn't, if I wasn't accustomed to eating it growing up. Yeah. And then got served a power fresher, I found it quite intense, but I think maybe I've yeah. <laughs> graduated. I went on a, a boat trip for a few days in Dusky Sound in Fjordland with Fleur Sullivan and some other people. I wrote a story about it in a previous oh, job. Yeah. Is that for in cuisine? The um, no. no, it was in, God, what was it called? Pure Salt was the company. Anyway, the story's online. I'll send it to you. And Fleur just. Is this Fleur yeah, great. of Fleur's place? Oh, right, right, right. And we were pretty much just eating what we caught. So we ate a lot of power, which I admit after a while, I was like, I don't think I can eat any more power. But it's, you know, usually you don't have it often. It's Did we find good. out if Al caught this power himself? Well, funny you should say that that power is from Dusky South. Is it? There you go. Oh, there was a shitload of power down there. Is it, um, as a follower of your Instagram, Al, do you just go hunting and gathering every weekend, or Uh, is that the life that you're living? Because it looks great. No, I don't. I don't do it nearly enough. Right. Hmm. Um, This is my mystery fritter. I'm excited about this. We've got to try and guess it. Has this got meat in it, though? Yes. No, I'm not going to have it. That's okay. You should have have not told her till afterwards. Oh, that was a mystery. (laughs) Well, given your objections are not ethical. I know, I just don't... Before we move on, I wanted to do a quick shout-out to Dill. I think Dill is really experiencing a renaissance. Yeah, I agree. Dill's good. um, I've always been a big fan of Dill. Our friend Ben Grant, former owner of Bird on a Wire with Sophie, he's going to name his first son Dill. Good what is he really vibing on dill at he the loves, moment? He loves dill so much. We send each other texts when we're having dill. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Okay. I, I um, used to want to have children all named after herbs, like basil. Is uh, dill gonna, what are the other ones? Can't remember. How's dill gonna go at school? He'll be right. Dill sounds like he could get bullied. <laughs> A little bit, doesn't it? Dill's absolutely asking for it. Yeah. yeah but whereas yeah. basil, everyone's gonna love basil. Bears, old bears. Everyone will love bears. What is everyone's favourite um, item to dish that has dill in it? Oh. Mine is a McDonald's cheeseburger. Simon Day. There's dill in Wash that little onion. Um, that's when I eat. I dill know on there it. is. Yeah. So it's at the right time. A McDonald's cheeseburger is so good. Let's taste something better than mm. a McDonald's. Yeah, I can pass them around. I reckon it's pork. I don't know. I'm just making this shit up. Okay, so Simon, you and I so get I'm to name. It. You have to do one ingredient at a time, and Al has to say yes or no. I'll go again. Maybe it's chicken. I don't know. Could could do with some salt. No, I'm not. Ooh, <laughs> I'm not actually right. eating it. A little bull patch. Mm. I did add some more, but red capsicum. I feel like that's obvious. Can red on, red yes onions. or no? You have to say yes or no to everything. Okay, well, um, it is pork. See, I saw but, that. But I got that. I know, you the did get that. The vegetarian picked it. Um, but it's wild boar. Oh. Wow. So that's, uh, someone dropped off a leg the other day and we 
cooked it slow in the oven yesterday. Mm. And that's the beauty of a fritter, is that it's kind of like this thing that you can throw a whole lot of ingredients yeah. at. And everyone still loves it because it's this kind of this lovely little soft with Mm. little bits of ingredients. You know, so in there is some pepper juice. This is straight out of the fridge. Had some pepper juice. Is there corn? No corn in there. Um, Red onion. Some red onion. Dill. Some parsley and some dill because those are the only two herbs I had. And, And then I added a little bit of apple syrup and some not enough salt and pepper. But the boar is so rich, and then the peppers and the pepper juice has nice uh, sweetness that cuts through it. They're they're really really good. And stretching, it's a it's a great way to stretch yeah, your catch, isn't mm, it? Yeah. You just heat them on a pan, probably. I mean, they're warmish. Sophie's now heating up her um, fritters, which are already cooked because clearly she's lazy. Just kidding. Just kidding. Organised. You're not, you're not allowed to be organised on this podcast. It's against okay. the rules. Is this... Should I turn it back on? Mm, yes. It's off. I'm going to get you to do that. Um, Al, do you tenderise your power? Yes, I do. What do you use? A mallet. Oh, my dad used to use a cricket bat. Did he? Yeah. Or, or, or another thing, another great way to do is, is get a fork or even a carving fork. Yeah. And that holds it. That holds the power in place, and oh, then, yeah. then just a good piece of just, beech wood. Yeah. I mean, a um, beech driftwood? wood, driftwood, yeah, driftwood from the mm. beach. That's what I'm looking for. He says he would do it on like the lawn and just bash them, and then there'd be bits of grass on the power. But you'd just say that was coriander stalks or That's something. That's right. Yeah, but you'll feel the the muscle of the of the power let go. Right, it'll suddenly become soft, and then you know mm. that's where you're at. What other meat? Or that and reminds me of kneading bread dough. You have to keep going until the gluten gets until it gives. That's right. But is there any other food that requires a good beating? Tenderisation. Well, some people, of course, there's all different sorts of tenderisation. I mean, things like kiwi fruit and pineapple that you could use for squid, that sort of thing. That takes um, takes a little bit of the chew out of it, or can take Does a it? lot of the chew. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with kiwi fruit and pineapple? Oh, if you want to, um, if squid. Is to um, if you just marinate it and put the the squid in, into the kiwi fruit or, or pineapple. Uh oh, Sophie's mystery nuggets are going up in the smoke. Alice, these are vegetarian, which is why I. Put I reckon just turn it off now and let the residual good. heat. Yeah, it'll be pan. fine. They just need to be slightly warmed through, so that's fine. That's right. I kind of do want to set the fire alarm off though. Yeah, be good content. Great. I mean, content. would you call the podcast with Al Brown 3.0 good content? I'm not <laughs> Maybe sure. Not. We Maybe not. We might have run out of jokes by then. Yeah. We wouldn't throw it out. It would be. It'd all be captured forever. Hmm. But um, on the, the the other thing though is surely, do we want everything tender? No, no that's a problem. We've got teeth. I like a bit of a chew. Last time, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Did we talk about that? I think we talked about. Sous-vide I have a slightly. strong preference for Scotch fillet over I fillet. I, mm-hmm. about that I actually don't even, I think last time when we discussed this, you said, you know, but there is a time and a place for the eye fillet. And I would 99 times out of 100 prefer it to be scotch. I just think that part of the eating experience is the texture. And it's sad when everything's monotexturous. Mm, mm. But I think it was, I just it was a little bit like what Simon was saying about that. You know, the ribs that he cooked, the, there was still, you know, you could pull... It away from the bone, so there was still texture. It's about getting there. it right for yeah. the right thing. Yeah. 
That's right. Mm, interesting. Well, I'm going to be frittering up a storm now that we've had such a great time. Shall we go while Sophie prepares? Shall we go through some of the, um, the regular segments? Well, yep. I thought it was really fun, our last uh, Cook's Corner. There were some great tips, and I've learned some new ones uh, since we last gathered. My favourite one I've discovered is instead of peeling the husk completely off the corn, fold it down to create kind of the concept of an ice cream cone Ooh, nice. that you can hold the cob with, and it makes it really great for turning Turn it on the, the barbecue. And on the butter. Yeah. Mm. I, oh, so has this been done? I thought I would change the oh, world. sorry, Simon. <laughs> oh. You invented it. Well, I, li- I like to share that with you. So it's changed my summer anyway. Hmm. Another thing I learned is this is around my, my issue with burning the nuts. So you can roast your nuts really nicely in the microwave. Really? Really? Microwave your pine nuts for about two minutes, shake them about, and microwave them again for another two minutes. Let them rest because um, when they're still hot, they're kind of squishy. Still soft. And if they they might need another minute, but you can perfectly roast your peanuts, your cashews, your pine nuts. Do they get colour? They do not brown, mm. but they don't blacken either. Yeah. yeah. Oh so, my gosh, this is reminding me of your mother's microwave bacon. Oh, that's oh. right. The famous Absolutely bacon. Absolutely inappropriate behaviour, Simon. When you really, really slandered your mother. Well, if we don't agree with my... Uh, Microwaving my nuts. I hope you can agree that um, <laughs> using the stems of coriander is very important. A lot Absolutely. of flavour in there. Yes. It's, it's more than a leaf. The stem is essential. I put chopped the stems for my corn fritters, but I was doing it in a hurry just before, and so there's probably quite you know big stalks in there. So I apologise. I also cut myself because I do, seem to do that every time I cut. How many now. times have you cut yourself in the last two weeks? Uh, quite a lot. It's quite worrying. Perhaps I should see a doctor. Write this one down because I think we should do a story on it. But what's the worst injury you've ever had in the kitchen or oh, while yeah. cooking, Al? Um, there was in New Orleans and some there was in New Orleans <clears throat> they do a lot of blackened food and so they keep skillets actually in the oven. To keep them hot and then bring them out and do them. So, and um, someone had brought a skillet out and put it on top, and I grabbed it and it stuck mm. to my hand. Oh. Oh, so that was pretty sore. Mm. What do you do to a burn like that? Do you have to stop working for a couple of days? Yeah, no, I had to stop working for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yep. When was that? 30 something years ago. Wow. If I'm 54 tomorrow, yeah. something like that. So forthcoming with the age. I mean, Oh, look, why is no, everyone all so old. like, oh, no, I'm 30, or no, I'm 40. Yeah, your age is your age, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know. We're all having a lovely time, however old we are. We're not dead yet. I thought I might just do the condiments for you, but this I'm, having some, I'm having some regrets. Oh. But I've come this far, so I'm sticking with it. Sophie's dolloping on various things onto these, well, these balls of goodness. It's not practical, really, to pass it all around with all the sauces. No, that's so. true. I'm going to talk about my favourite... Well, stupidest but also funniest food injury as I came home my mum was roasting potatoes and I had the munchies and uh, my mind wasn't working as well as it should be and I opened the oven grabbed the potato with my bare hands straight out of the oven <laughs> oh my God. and I bit into it oh. 
exposing the soft flesh of the potato that stuck to the roof of my mouth, very similar to the way the um, skillet stuck to Elle's hand. And I, um, this this story is actually made for television because I have to show you how I was trying to flick it off the roof of my mouth with my tongue. <laughs> and it wouldn't. It, it looks wouldn't a lot go. Like a gecko. <laughs> Believe me, it looks great. Oh, yeah. gross! It wouldn't go anywhere, and it was absolutely so stuck to the roof of my mouth. And the blister that it left across the entire roof of my mouth didn't oh, go away nasty. for weeks. My worst injury. Well, the one I had. I've had quite a few recently, as I mentioned, but I had a nasty one the other day when I was making sourdough in a big ceramic bowl and somehow the bowl broke and the, a big um, piece of the bowl sliced my thumb. And it's now healed quite nicely, but it was quite gnarly and it bled a lot. I mean, you can't really it see it anymore, but that's all. It was there. Did, it, did the bread have a slightly metallic flavour? Yeah, definitely some blood did get in the bread, but I just kept going. How's it gone? I can't think of a terrible kitchen injury. I remember seeing my mum slice half of her... Finger off with the mandolin once. Oh. Burns definitely worse than a mandolins. Cup. Yeah, I've done some on there. Oh, yeah, but, I but have. This um, was like, well, it was traumatic enough to induce her to lecture the hell out of anyone that ever picks up a mandolin mm. now. I've, and yeah. yeah, just basically say don't do it if you're not using the guard and use the guard and use the tea towel. And I've lost my guard of my mandolin, so I live life on the edge. No one uses a guard. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Sophie, this croquette is mm, like a um, nice. like a French soldier in Algeria somewhere. It's very uh, cross cultural. It's true. I, I like it. It's a bit colonial, but if it were hotter, it would be fluffier. No, it's yummy. No, it's, it's 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 very it's good. Really so good. From Fatima's. Mmm. So I cheated because I've been um, working at Fatima's today, and I had suggested that. We move the theme from barbecue, from the long lost podcast, to the ultimate fritter off because I was so, um, I thought it was such a revelation that we should all be making more fritters. And I didn't know that that was the theme until today. Oh, so it's my bad. Last minute you did I just. suggested it and Simon never replied as per. Last minute just whipped up. These are the vegetarian croquettes mm, from Fatima's. And um, the, the staff there said that they joke that it's their. 11 herbs and spices sort of thing because how could so many ingredients go into something that's so small mm. but it's yeah it's really got a lot of things in it delicious though don't you think yeah I, I really really like them would would it's order. like a spunky falafel wouldn't mm. you prefer that though than a falafel than most than most falafel much less dense but the the Fatima's falafel I think is good it's a really green really herby type mm. but um, really light and Fresh, I thought. Hmm. Alice, should we get you behind yep. the stove before oh, even my mum stops listening? Yeah. <laughs> Does your mother listen to the podcast? Yep, she's listened. My, Does she listen my, my, to the time that you the time you slagged off her? No, I haven't touched showed her that one. Microwave bar- mom, bacon. Microwaving bacon is wrong, mum. You should know better. My mother-in-law between between um, between tissue paper on one piece. She lets it. It was an old microwave. She Does it matter? Yeah, because it shoots. It goes, just, well, if there is a way, I want to know how to do it. <laughs> so that you can be sure that you won't. But my mother-in-law listens. Um, she was listening with the whole family over Christmas. Uh, it was funny. Millie got sick of hearing my voice floating around um, the family Christmas and turned it off. And her father, hey, 
I wanted to know what Simon was going to say. So that was very cute and flattering. Oh, my God. Family fan club. Yeah. It's a hot pan. Had any honest feedback, Simon? Uh... Less chewing in the microphone. Um, don't get as drunk as you got on the Christmas episode. Oh, that, that one really went on, didn't it? We were very, uh, we were very well looked after out at the hunting lodge. And, oh, great! Um, oh, Dez. And it. Uh, and for once, I was the sober driver, so I can attest to the fact that I was the least lit of the crew. Were you patient? Were you a patient, sober driver? I was, yeah, because I, I'm so familiar with being on the other side of the table, I thought, I'm just going to embrace the novelty. She was also multitasking. She managed to um, put an offer on the house while, like, stealing us around um, West Auckland and eventually went on to buy that house. Yeah, there were all sorts of things happening. Have you moved in? We can discuss this. We can. Uh, we actually settle tomorrow, so I've been emailing the lawyers all day today. It's a really big day tomorrow. I I'm mean, taking the day off to work with my wife on Valentine's Day. It's Al's birthday. Sophie's moving into her house. It's all happening. I think that the the notion of getting the keys is kind of a funny one because we're not moving in tomorrow. So I said to David, like, what should we do? Should we go there and just get takeaways and like eat them on the floor but then we're kind of forcing ourselves to and he's like babe I've got cricket tomorrow night <laughs> I was like David's got cricket it's a huge just day. do that um do you have gas induction electric um Al's model of gas hob with a gas bottle is what's currently there but I will be connecting it to the mains I mean the house is, is so tiny You'd hardly ever know that there was space for gas bottle, but there is. How important is a kitchen when you're looking for a potential home? Huge. What do you look for? Of course. Storage is quite important. Yeah. I find it really difficult. I don't really have a massive pantry, but I think that kitchen equipment is just, it's just cumbersome, isn't it? So it's nice to have somewhere to put it. I've always wanted one of those, I'll call it an Italian style kitchen with the pots and pans hanging above me. Oh, yeah. I like the look of that. It's very rustic. Seems convenient. Might not be. Kind of like Provencal. Dusty. Yeah. Dirty. Mm. Greasy. Well, if you use them enough. Yeah. Or but those. You, you use yeah. one pan. Yeah, and then you get like. And you have a whole lot of them up there. The sh- those shelves above the um, gas stove. Oh, I hate going up there and yeah. cleaning them once yeah. every six months. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, the opposite is also equally unattractive. You know, the modern kitchen where everything is away. Yes. I'm like, but what if I want to grab my tongs and what if I want to... You want some things to be on top. Yeah. Herbs. It's like some people are too trendy to even display their herbs. Alice is making a, a vegetable fritter. It's you, called a corn fritter. Oh! oh. <laughs> Named after its main ingredient, corn. Yeah. Which is another classic New Zealand fritter, isn't it? We all grew up with the the creamed corn fritter. I absolutely that used to be a Saturday lunch. Yeah, so creamed corn on Vogels with a poached egg for dinner when there's nothing else. Yeah, that's Sunday night, right? Creamed corn in a cheese toasty, I think, is very good. Mm. Can someone talk to me about what one does to corn to make it creamed? Because I I think that the answer is just to blitz it. Correct. So you don't add anything else? Well, you could add cream if you'd like, but you blitz it, yeah. Well, Fresh corn. I'm not normally one to name and shame, but I went to a cafe um, in Parnell about three days ago, and the dish that I ordered was called creamed corn. 
and it was kernels. It wasn't creamed. Wow. So I thought Liars. maybe it was a loose interpretation of creamed corn, and they're just giving it a really quick blitz. So, but um, it's one of my absolute favourites. Al Brown is giving Alice. That's uh, pretty good, eh? You're gonna mad, like this one. Mad props. Oh, this is the best one. I love there's corn fritters. In. No, I know there's cheese in it. That's what I love about it. Is there? So it's salty and sweet. Mm. Is it like? Do you know um, where the salt comes from? Grated cheddar. And cheese. Yeah. And are there olives in there? Is that right? There are oh, there are olives yeah. in there too. Take that off. Will that be right? Oh, how exciting, oh Alice! Well, do you eat corn okay. fritters a lot? That's no. the fritter of the day, right there. Oh. Yes. Yes. Did you hear that, people? Oh my gosh, so last time Simon got the prop. Oh no. No, I, I love his, his, it. His I, face I, fell. He's like, it's good, it's fine. <laughs> Alice, that time that Al Brown told you that your fritter was yeah. fritter of the day. But actually, try those. Oh, we've got a, a uh, thingy to go with it. You don't so even, this doesn't even need a thingy. It's a recipe I've never cooked before, but I cooked it because it is Emma Boyd, our recipe contributor at the Spin Off Food. As I'm sure you've all seen, uh, she contributed that that the other day that recipe, and it is corn, olive, cheddar, fritter. So I whipped it up. It's bloody good. I really love a corn fritter for breakfast, and I mm. think that corn fritters and eggs go really well together. Um, the other favourite corn fritter of mine is the corn and prawn fritter. Oh yeah. Ooh. Where you blitz half of the corn and half of the prawn, and then you keep the other. Kernel's yeah. hole and the chopped up prawn hole. Really mm. yummy one in Sarah Tuck's um, mm. cookbook, Good which is called Coming but Unstuck. It and it's got, um, you serve it with avocado Cheddar. and coriander That's and cheese. lime. Mm. Yum. And Al Brown is not lying. Alice's, um, just because Alice is his family friend. Uh, this, <laughs> oh my God, you guys didn't oh. disclose that you know no. each other. This, um, this corn fritter is exceptional. The cheese makes it creamy and salty, it? and it's so salty. No, my sister used Alice to. Alice didn't forget to salt her My corn sister for used to look after Al's children in the That's olden right. days. That's right. That is right. I'd like to say he named his, his daughter Alice after me, but she didn't meet me till she was about one. So I guess that didn't happen. I don't think it did. Sophie, but what are nice your um, yeah. what are your tips for the month? Cook's corner. Oh yeah, Cook's corner. Cooking tips for the month. You can use the ones you used last time. Oh, no, you didn't fill out the run sheet. Then, I can go first if you want to think. Go, Alice. So mine last time related to my the skewers I've made, I'd made, and it was something I forgot to do, which is soak the wooden skewer skewers in water before cooking them so they didn't burn. So important. Yeah. And do it in a, stand, a bottle, because then they will stay fully submerged. Put them in a bottle, fill with water, put the lid on. But another tip that I would like to have had, but I don't, is... Does anyone have a good tip for how to get silk off the corn cob after you've shucked it? Burn it? Like Turkish, uh, when you go to a good Turkish barber, mm. he'll burn off the hairs on your yeah. ear and the hairs in your nose. Yeah. Maybe you could do the same thing with a little blowtorch on your um, you on Yeah, because there might be some Spray can of um, fly spray and a lighter. Is, yeah. is it true that each line of silk, is this, there's the same amount of kernels that there are to each silk. Oh. I did not know that. I'm I sure would like to right. count. Oh, that's awesome. I googled it. One per one. That's yeah. We had and a, people um, said use a little brush. We had a bit of a corn off in my household last week because 
my husband and I drove to Huntley and back for a funeral and they have the corn on the side of the road, stalls. Eight big cobs of corn for five dollars. Wow, That's good. I've done all of the things that you could possibly imagine with corn in the last week. Sophie's <laughs> husband really? David has also been growing corn. How's it turned out? It's sort of. Uh, he's got. You'd say the cobs are half the size that they will ultimately be, so not bad. Oh, so not ready to eat yet, though. No, 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 not yet. But I'm sure they'll be delicious. There's nothing better than corn straight off the plant. It is so juicy and sweet. He's oh. proud as punch. Have you come up with a tip yet? While we've been waiting. Oh, um. I don't remember what my tips were last time, but I'd say that one of the greatest successes I've had recently cooking is um, when you go on a boat or you go for a picnic. We've been going to the bottom of Ponui Island and for... Chamberlain Bay. Yeah, is that what it's called? That's where we were. Because someone looked it up on maps the other day and I never looked it up. Um, But what we did was instead of the old ham sandwiches on the beach scenario I had given my in-laws one of those baby Webers about three years ago for Christmas, still in the box obviously not. Baby Q. Yes they were not into it obviously (laughs) but we unwrapped it assembled it and we've been making one day we did really amazing um, pork sausage hot dogs Mm -hmm. with like sauerkraut and mustard and so easy to just pack up condiments as they are and take spoons and knives with you and then the second time we did um, just an epic beef burger because I am a believer that you don't really need anything else other than beef mince and salt and pepper in the patty. Maybe a slice of cheese. No, no, sorry. And I'm just pickle. saying in the patty. Oh, so you yeah. really don't have anything oh, right. to pack for your picnic no. other than mince. I would pre-salt and pepper it and roll it into balls. But then, um, yeah, we take cheese and lettuce and tomato and, again, all the condiments. But... I think that there was something particularly celebratory about having a hot meal on a hot beach. I think Sophie's tippers have more picnics. Yeah. I'm thinking there's probably a fire ban and maybe you were breaking the law on Pornui Island, but I like that you were a, a rebel. You like that I was Anything for staring danger in the face. Yeah. Good Thanks, fate. Alice. And now the big question is: Share your uh, you've shared your recipes. There are no secret recipes. Have you got any secret cooking tips that you'd well, like? Well, to... because we're sort of barbecuing, I think. I think the big problem is that people keep turning the food the whole time. Mm. The, the food doesn't cook in the air, so leave it on the grill. That's my tip. And I actually just remembered a really good one that you had last time, which was about entertaining. Yes. And Al said, if you're serving a fritter or you're serving a nice piece of barbecued meat, why not get the condiment or the sauce that you're serving it with and put it underneath that on the plate and then put the meat or the fritter on the top and garnish. And um, <coughs> you look really fancy. And That's your yogurt situation, your hummus mm. situation, your baba ganoush situation. Yeah, you make All it All those easy. sort of sauces, yeah. Delicious, great idea. And the big tip on that as well, if you're going to buy Lisa's hummus or baba ganoush, take it out of the little plastic dish, put it into a little cute bowl and say you made it yourself. Yeah, mm. maybe put some like little AG on the top. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've remembered mm. my other one, which is, this is going to be really quick, uh, an amazing condiment which is extremely versatile and um, it was from the Palomar cookbook that I was given that's a, a Middle Eastern restaurant in London. But it was their recipe for zug, 
which is kind oh, of yes. um, okay, a chimichurri meets salsa verde. So it's just a green herby sauce, basically, um, from Yemen. And it's absolutely, I think it says on the recipe, Yemeni chimichurri or something. But oh my goodness, so easy. You put it in like your Nutribullet, blitz it with garlic, and it's got a bit of cumin and coriander ground in it. And it was the most delicious thing. We just put it all over everything for days. Yum. Delicious. Mm. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Al Brown, especially seeing it was round two. Yeah. Uh, we've eaten beautiful food both times, and it's been really fun. Yeah, thank Thanks you for coming thank back. You. We Thanks really appreciate it. Thank Simon you, Al. emailed us apprehensively and said, my heart is broken, but I'm hoping Al will accept our invitation yes. to return. It was thank so you. much fun the last time. It was just as much this time. Oh, thank good. you. Thank you. And thanks to Tina, our producer. We always thanks, forget Tina. to thank, thank Tina. Shut, yeah. Tina. Woo! Cheers. Cheers to you, Tina. Kakite. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.